ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. With Russia at war with Ukraine, keeping our secrets safe from Moscow is vital. But history tells us Australia hasn't been very good at spying on spies and knowing when our agencies have been infiltrated. Today, investigative reporters Sally Neighbour and Margot O'Neill on an ASIO mole who sold our intelligence to the Russians and why our spy agency kept it secret for so long. Margot and Sally, let's start this story in 1983. On one given day of that year, there's a celebration at an ASIO office in Sydney. There's a gathering to bid farewell to a man who served with the spy agency for 30 years. It's, you know, it's a big deal, isn't it, Sally? Yep. So the guy who's leaving is called Ian George Peacock. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's 60 years old. He was the head of counter-espionage in New South Wales, so a senior operational role. And all his mates gather around, all his workmates, to say farewell to him because he's leaving after all this time. Little do they know, in fact, no one suspects for one second that he's been spying for the Russians for the past five or six years. You can really picture it, can't you, all these people, you know, really paying tribute to this man and not knowing that actually he'd been betraying them, and not only them, the whole nation. Yeah, absolutely. And we've spoken to some of his colleagues. I mean, most people still don't know this. This is a very tightly held secret. There's very few people, even within ASIO, Mm. who know this. And many will be shocked to learn who the traitor was. Mm. And they've been really devastated. We spoke to some of them about the impact on them of having learned that this man was just betraying them and their country for all of these years. One of them was Harry P. Russell, who uh, writes spy novels these days. And he was really... Mm quite emotional still about the impact of the betrayal on him. What was your reaction when you learned that there was a traitor in your office in the team that you worked on? Uh, Hate, utter frustration at realising that the best years of my life were spent working for an opponent. So it's really upsetting for these members of ASIO who worked with this guy, isn't it, Margot? When you think about it, and it was one of the surprises for Sally and I, that they kind of feel like their careers were meaningless. Not only was their work against the Soviets continually frustrated, but they felt like they were working for the enemy because all the details, all their secrets were being passed over. Mm. And at the same time, this guy would have been reporting on them their personalities, their families, their friends, back to Moscow. So the betrayal is at a deeply personal as well as professional level. So why on earth was Ian Peacock doing this? What was his motive? So in the intelligence world, they describe motivations as being part of an acronym MICE, which is money or ideology Mm -hmm. or you've been compromised or ego. For this guy, it was mainly money. 
So how did ASIO not know that there was a mole in their midst? Well, this guy was a very professional operator. He was trained in espionage and counter-espionage and surveillance and counter-surveillance. And the thing is, he was running the counter-espionage unit in New South Wales. So he knew exactly where the bugs were, who they were watching, who they were tailing, who they had warrants out against. So he was able to basically fly under the radar. But after a few years, they started to realise that pretty much every operation that they did targeting the Russians, so for example, targeting illegal KGB spies in Australia or diplomats who were suspected of trying to recruit people, every operation they mounted would just fall through for no clear reason. And when this happened week after week, month after month, year after year, people did start to suspect that there was a traitor in the ranks. Mm. Red alarm bells are going everywhere. This was a critical asset. So one of the people we interviewed was Neil Fergus, who's a very well-known security specialist, and he described exactly how the mole was able to get away with it. We're talking about a mole who was an experienced operations person. This person was highly skilled. It's important, isn't it, to remember as well that it wasn't just Australia's secrets that he had access to, it was also our closest allies. Exactly. And that's the reason why this mole was so very valuable to the KGB. So valuable, in fact, that the then head of the KGB and later head of state, Yuri Andropov, was regularly briefed on what the mole was providing. The mole had access to Five Eyes material. And it was a doorway, if you like, or a window into what was going on in the United States uh, and Canada and the United Kingdom. For a few years, this was gold for them, metaphorical gold. For at least a couple of years, he was their only insight, their only access into the Five Eyes intelligence partnership between Australia, the US, the UK, mm. Canada and New Zealand. Mm. There was no doubt that the Five Eyes material was of particular significance back in KGB head office. Everything they're doing has been compromised by the mole. He had access to pretty much all of the most highly classified records of Australia's security and defence relationship with the United States and Britain. And remember, this is the time when the Cold War was at its height and the world was really, at times, on the brink of a nuclear war. Mm, and how was he getting the information to Moscow? How did he do it? Dead drops. Uh-huh. And um, for those in Sydney, it's just a great, <laughs> it's an amazing sort of story. They assigned a specialist agent runner called Yuri Shmetkov mm -hmm. to run him. And then they set up dead drops in places like Centennial Park and Watson's Bay. They had a hiding place. They'd leave the documents. And then... Schmetkoff would later on put the money in another place. So they were doing exchanges. They only occasionally met face-to-face. -face. Mm, sounds very much like something you'd see in a movie. Totally. <laughs> yeah, and it takes a long time, doesn't it, for ASIO to uncover who it is. John Blacksland from the ANU, he basically says they weren't very good at trying to figure it out. So the problem was that our principal national counter-espionage, counter-intelligence agency was dropping the ball on counter-espionage and counter-intelligence. Well, they got the first concrete tip that there was a mole in 1980 and they mounted 
an investigation, but it was by all accounts a very mediocre investigation, not very thorough, and inexplicably, ASIO concluded that while there probably was a mole, he wasn't within their own ranks. And John Blacksland, the official historian of ASIO, is quite scathing in the way he describes ASIO's handling of this. Mm. The fundamental task that ASIO had been set up for as spy catchers they were failing in. He says, actually, that it was such a blokey, boozy, club-like mm. atmosphere. You know, you mm. didn't dep- to get into ASIO didn't depend on what you knew but who you knew. And once in, you're all mates, no one really suspected each other. Everybody knew each other and everybody kind of gave each other a degree of benefit of the doubt. And so when did they actually identify that it was Ian Peacock and then what happened? Well, it was really only after the end of the Soviet Union, um, fall of the Berlin Wall, when there was something of a rush of defectors to the West, that they began to get more and more clues. And finally, by 1995, and this is a full 12 years after the Moles uh, retired, almost 20 years after he began his treachery, (laughs) that they're finally able to identify who the Mole was. So you can imagine there must have been backslapping and whooping in the ASIO office when they got to that point. Mm. But they've kept it secret all these years. It's never been revealed publicly. Amazing. And I gather that they then tried to get him to acknowledge that he was the mole. Yes, there was. There were years of meetings with him because what, what would you want? You would want to know what were the secrets? Mm. How much has been compromised? Tell us what you told the Russians. But he denied all the allegations, refused to cooperate. So when he died in 2006, he took his secrets to the grave. Mm. Oh, my gosh. It's a fascinating story. But why do we care about this all this time later? You know, what's the significance now of this mole being in ASIO all that time ago? Well, I think a few things, right? First is, you know, you've got to learn from your history. Mm -hmm. But secondly, the current ASIO Director General, Mike Burgess, says that foreign espionage activity in Australia is back on. It's at an all-time high. Mm. It's the Russians, Chinese and the rest. It's worse than it's ever been. This means ASIO is busier than ever before. Busier than any time in our 74-year history. Busier than the Cold War. Busier than 9-11. So, you know, you have to be on your guard. And Neil Fergus, of course, points out that mole hunts never end. Mm. The point is... We have an extremely aggressive Russian intelligence service operating to the same old rules, or lack of rules, if you prefer. It's alive and it's happening, and that's why ASIO needs to be on its game. Uh, The mole hunt is never over. The original mole may have retired in early 80s, but in the mid-90s, they're realising there could still be a mole inside ASIO. And the other thing is that these events happened 40 to 50 years ago and ASIO and the Australian government will still not talk about them, will still not release any information. The ASIO investigation is still top classified. In other countries, books have been written and documentaries made and and streaming series made about um, spies and moles. But in Australia, we have this 
obsessive fixation with secrecy. And really, you know, investigative journalists like ourselves have to try and bust through that. And that's part of our aim in doing this program. It's a grave security breach that's still obviously reverberating today. And it's really important as well, isn't it? Because when Russia is at war with Ukraine, we're meant to be working really, really closely with our 5 eye partners. What do the security experts you've spoken to think needs to happen now? Well, they think that ASIO needs to be more vigilant than ever. And they make the point that, once again, Russia is a vicious, murderous, um, anti-democratic power. And we're seeing that in Ukraine. We see that in the murders of defectors and dissidents by the Russian authorities. And so, you know, the Russian enemy is probably more dangerous and more of a threat to our democracy than it has been in decades. So that's an absolutely critical danger for everyone to be aware of and for our security services to be right on top of. Sally Neighbour and Margot O'Neill are investigative journalists. You can catch their full Four Corners report on iview. ASIO wouldn't be interviewed or answer Four Corners written questions. This episode was produced by Veronica App App, David Cody and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.